Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is December the 20th, 2019. We are poised to celebrate uh, three wonderful, joyous holidays, um, Hanukkah, Christmas, and New Year. And it's a privilege to join you. I thank you for joining me. I hope that this program will provide you with the sort of information so that when you sit down with family, friends, neighbors, uh, and you decide to um, have the courage, the courage to uh, discuss the issues of the day. And this is what Americans have always done. I don't know how in the world we've gotten to the point that you either agree with someone or they consider you their enemy. This balkanization of America is dangerous, it's anti-American, and it flies in the face of what a democracy is supposed to be about, freedom of expression. We don't all have to agree. But that doesn't mean that we're enemies. It simply means that we are Americans with different perspectives. Uh, There's such a lack of tolerance on on both sides for anybody who doesn't agree with things that we agree with, uh, and it's creating a nightmare for all of us. So I, I really hope that this holiday season, without animosity, without rancor, without insult, without nastiness, Let's try something that we used to do as a matter of routine in this wonderful country. Have calm conversations. Let's talk about facts, not about personalities. And I have to tell you what really upsets me tremendously. Uh, And, you know, I do a lot of writing for Front Page Magazine. I I, I write elsewhere. Uh, I'm also, and and this is something that I hope will be of interest to you, I'm now doing podcasts that say, Uh, a subscription service, which means you do have to pay for it. But I do two podcasts per week for Team DML over at DMLnews.com. Next week, in fact, I will be doing four podcasts, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 1030 East Coast time. And if you miss it live, they are posted on the site, so you can always refer to the uh, podcasts. And I tackle a bunch of issues, but as you might imagine – I won't say all roads lead to Rome, but most roads lead to Rome. Of course, here it's not Rome, but it's about our borders. It's about immigration because it is such a major component of nearly every challenge and threat that our nation and our citizens face today. And that's not to say we shouldn't have uh, immigration. You know, it's not anti-immigrant. That's the lie. We need to dispel the myths because a lot of the people who disagree with us, folks, are decent, honorable, compassionate people. They have been duped. They have been conned. Uh, Just the way that uh, Madoff stole people's money by conning them, the American people have been losing their jobs and their lives and the futures of their children. This is the first generation in I don't know how long where the newest members of our society have not increased but reduced expectations that they won't do as well as their parents for the most part. That's not what America is supposed to be about. America is supposed to be a country of limitless opportunities, irrespective of what I call the superficial factors. Race, religion, ethnicity, gender shouldn't matter. Anybody willing to study hard, work hard, and benefit from a little bit of good old-fashioned luck should be able to write the next great American success story. But increasingly, corporations and others with a vested interest in taking down our borders ending American sovereignty, are working night and day and spending lots of money, but it's an investment, to destroy wages and opportunities for American workers. They know the price of everything, the value of nothing, and they are endangering national security and public safety. In fact, they're endangering the survival of our country. Uh, We need to look no further than the findings of the 9-11 Commission. We just had a terrible I would call it an insider attack at Pensacola by a 21-year-old Saudi uh, pilot. 
We are fortunate in only one thing here, though, that he decided to use a gun and not one of our latest fighter jets as a weapon. Could you imagine the damage that that would have caused? What in the world are we doing? Boeing wants to sell fighter planes to Saudi Arabia, so we, we have their pilots train on our planes, take them for a test drive, so to speak, if you will. Um, what are we doing? You know, I remember in March of 2002, a long time ago, the kids today who are coming of age to vote don't even have any recollections of this. They weren't here. But think back. Two of the dead terrorists were found to have been given permission to go to flight school, including the ringleader, Mohammed Atta. And I had just had a screaming match with the imbecile who used to pretend to be my congressman, my representative, Anthony Weenie, as I came to call that degenerate. And we had this big argument. I was the president of the Parents Association of my daughter's public school. I was out with a leg injury. I got hurt executing arrest and search warrants with the FBI and the New York City Police Department. But I needed to, to feel that I was doing something, you know, besides sitting home with a bad leg. I offered to come back on light duty, and they said, nope, you can either come back and be 100% or don't come back. So the uh, president, I'm sorry, the um, principal of my daughter's public school and the parents approached me and said, would you be willing to take on the responsibility of being the president of the Parents Association? So I did. And there was a breakfast held in March of 2002. This is six months after 9-11. The stench from ground zero still hung in the air. It is a stench I will never forget. It is a stench that I never want to smell again. It is a stench that inhabits some of my worst nightmares to this day. I think anybody who was in New York on 9-11 still suffers post-traumatic stress. We're not the same. We can't be the same. Our country isn't the same. The world isn't the same. And most definitely, the all clear has never sounded. We are still up to our eyeballs in the threat of terrorism, up to our eyeballs. And the idiots, the idiots in Congress and mayors and governors who see in our borders some sort of an impediment to their wealth don't get it. And they are responsible for getting lots of people killed. But apparently they don't care about dead bodies to these pieces of garbage. Dead bodies are speed bumps along the road to the direction they want to go because they are short-sighted, they are fools, they are greedy, and maybe they're ignorant. But I will never forget coming home from having had an argument with Wiener about the need to enforce our immigration laws to react properly to 9-11. I found it astonishing that George W. Bush, both parties are up to their eyeballs, decided to send our troops to the Middle East and sent border patrol agents to secure the Iraqi border and left our border wide open and even had a couple of our border patrol agents by the name of Ramos and Compion prosecuted for engaging in a shooting with a drug smuggler. They were set up. It was disgusting. There were other border patrol agents who were punished for doing their job. And I'll never forget that the National Guard actually got um, medals for retreating when cartels came across the border. What duplicitous conduct. I came to call DHS, the Department of Homeland Sur Surrender. This was the creation of George W. Bush. My outrage, uh, incalculable, and I had testified before a bunch of hearings about how the agency had been cobbled together, and I've spoken about it before in this program and elsewhere. John Hostetler, who had been the Republican, think of this, Republican, conservative Republican, chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, made no bones about the way that the way that the Bush administration created DHS left our borders wide open and made it impossible to enforce the immigration laws, even though it was abundantly clear almost from day one that 9-11 could not have happened had it not been for multiple failures of the immigration system. So understand exactly the level of duplicity by that globalist. So when I hear this nonsense, oh, the, 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 you know, the libertards and the Democrats and all, all the, they, they come up with all kinds of twisted names. Well, I have news for you. Both sides of the aisle are up to their eyeballs in globalism. Why do you think the president has had such a tough time getting the funding to build a wall? Why do you think judge after judge after judge after judge has acted to block any effort to enforce the law 
or stem the flow of illegal aliens into the country because the system has become overwhelmed. We can't defend ourselves. We're being left defenseless. We have naturalized terrorists. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, who set up that SUV car bomb in um, 2010, was naturalized about a year before the attacks. One of the two Tsarnaev brothers naturalized about a year before the attacks. Time and again, this isn't just people who snuck into the country. That's not to say that people who run the border don't pose a threat of terrorism. They do. It's not an either-or. This is the lunacy. This is the lunacy. You know, if someone's house is broken into and they smash the kitchen window to get in, you don't just fix the kitchen window. You say, well, how are the other places? Where, where, where are the other ways that a burglar could get access to the house and, and then, you know, rob and do damage? You don't just say, well, they broke the kitchen window, so we're just going to look at the kitchen. No, there's a skylight, there's bedroom windows, there's living room windows, there's the front door, there's the back door, there's the garage. Maybe they have the garage door open, and they open the garage door, and they get into the house. There's so many ways in. And I referred to this situation with immigration as the immigration colander. This all-encompassing focus on the southern border is insanity. That border has to be secured, period. Get over it, Okay. But a wall on the border, I keep making this comparison, is like a wing on an airplane. Without the wing, the airplane doesn't fly, but a wing by itself goes nowhere. So we admit people into our country. We give them visas, and then they attack us. We have trained terrorists in the country. Diane Feinstein, back in 2000, I'm sorry, 1998, two days short of the fifth anniversary of the 93 bombing of the World Trade Center at a Senate Judiciary hearing, and the hearing focused, on foreign terrorists operating in the United States said, number one, we ought to reconsider this visa waiver pilot program. Back then it was a pilot program. We should probably stop it. Well, on 9-11, there were uh, 26 countries that participated in the visa waiver program, folks. Now we have 39 countries. I was disappointed, but President Trump added Poland to the list. That list should go away. Nobody should be admitted into the United States without a visa. And this isn't such a, a, a rough thing to understand. When I began my career as an inspector at Kennedy International Airport, I did that job for four years, I understand these issues probably better than anyone because I didn't just read about it. I didn't just have a brain spasm somewhere along the way, so now I'm going to sit down in front of a microphone or a television camera and spout out a BS. I was an inspector for four years. I was an adjudications officer for a full year, and then I spent 26 years as a special agent. I was in every squad within the investigations branch and even had some unique assignments. I was the first INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of the DEA for four years. And then I was promoted to senior special agent. And I was assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, the same outfit that took out El Chapo Guzman, the most prolific and violent drug leader in Mexico. And where was he prosecuted, by the way, in, in, in Queens, New York, actually Brooklyn, New York, because Queens is where he focused his, his operation on the East Coast. It became drug central for the East Coast of the United States. Why? Because of New York sanctuary policies. I saw this up front and in person. I arrested terrorists. I investigated and arrested drug traffickers and fugitives from other countries. I didn't read about it. I did it. I did it. And I love every single politician running for any position, but especially those who would be president. Here's the question that there isn't a journalist in America that has the balls or the integrity or perhaps the intelligence to ask. You want to know what the number one question should be? Yes or no? No equivocation. Have you read in its entirety, all of it, every page, the 9-11 Commission report? Have you read in its entirety, every last page, the companion report, 9-11 and terrorist travel that was written by the special agents from various federal agencies and government lawyers who were assigned to work with the 9-11 Commission? Anyone who has not read those two documents should not be allowed to assume the presidency or any significant position within our government. The war on terror has not ended and the death count from 9-11 has not ended. Every other week or every week, there's an announcement. Another firefighter, another first responder, another EMT, another police officer has died. And sometimes it's not even first responders, just people. And those folks probably don't even get into the news. We've spent, and they've died of, of, of illness related to their exposure to the toxins released on 9-11. 
over $5 billion has been spent to care for them. More billions have now been allocated since the president signed a bill that will extend medical benefits for decades for the survivors of 9-11 and their families because genetic damage has been done. I mean, this was such a job on us. And, And just a couple of days ago, we observed the anniversary of December 7th, 1941, the sneak attack on Pearl Harbor by the Japanese fleet. We lost approximately as many people on 9-11 as we lost on December 7th, 1941. But the difference is December 7th was an attack carried out by the Japanese fleet. How many ships, how many sailors, how many pilots were involved? On 9-11, 19 hijacker terrorists, barely out of their teens. These weren't highly trained people. They were thugs. They're vicious. They were animals, whatever you want to call them, delusional. But they are our enemies. They were no less our enemies than was the, the Japanese fleet that attacked Pearl Harbor. Now, of course, Japan is a great ally. I even got an award from the government of Japan for working with them on a narcotics investigation. They're great friends of ours now. Wars are weird. The human species is bizarre. We kill each other, and then we become friends. Um, We need to have some brains in our head. You know, Carl Sagan wrote a wonderful uh, book. Carl Sagan, of course, was an astrophysicist. He passed away a number of years ago. I had the privilege of admitting him when I was an inspector. My original dream was to be an aerospace engineer. I've been into astronomy since I was a kid, so it was a kick meeting him. But he wrote this book, and then he called it The Pale Blue Dot. And basically what they did was take a picture of the Earth, seen from the orbit of Saturn. And another picture as recent was taken by Cassini before uh, they ordered Cassini to plunge into Saturn uh, to its destruction because they didn't want to contaminate any of the moons of Saturn. But the Earth showed up as this tiny little pale blue dot in that frame, not even a pixel. And Carl Sagan waxed poetic. And he said, you know, look at that little dot. Every person you ever read about, any person that lived in history, lived his or her life on that dot. And think of all the people that were the tyrants who to try to control a fraction of that dot for a moment in time killed so many people, caused so much suffering, so much bloodshed. Also, we could control a tiny fraction of the dot for a moment in time. I mean, it really puts things in perspective. We really should be united as a species, as human beings. Unfortunately, we're not there yet. We may never be there. We may never be there. That's why in the science fiction movie Contact with Jodie Foster, she was asked uh, as the character that she played, Ellie, you know, what would you ask these people from other planets? And she said, how did you survive? Because I don't know that we can survive the violence of our species. As we become more technologically advanced, we become ever more capable of killing ever more people at one time. But, you know, if we're going to survive, America needs to protect itself. There's nothing bigoted or racist or xenophobic about saying, gee whiz, we should not let people into our country who might want to attack us. We need to be careful. When you get a warning that there's burglars running loose in your neighborhood, and I I have a ring doorbell, and my God, those alerts go off, I don't know how frequently. I'm sure if you folks have that device or a similar device, you get the same alerts. Well, it causes you to think twice. You, you trim your shrub, shrubs around your house so that there's better visibility. You put on the lights at night. You lock your doors. You lock your windows at night. Why? Because you're antisocial? Of course not. You just don't want to suffer violence. You don't want to be the victim of crime. That's what our country is supposed to do for itself and for our citizens. And when these idiot politicians, forgive the redundancy in the term idiot politician, start invoking the Constitution, that I urge them to read Article 4, Section 4, that says that the states are to be guaranteed a Republican form of government and protection from invasion and domestic violence. Do you not think that millions of foreign nationals who have no inherent right to enter the United States flowing into our country does not constitute an invasion? I was listening to part of the debate yesterday. I, I was running out of barf bags, but I, I listened for a little bit, a little bit. And, oh, we're going to help the middle class. We're going to help the middle class. We're going to help wages. No, they're not. They're lying. Their noses were growing faster than Pinocchio's nose. 
How are you helping workers when you flood America with more and more and more foreign workers who come from third world countries and as a consequence are willing to work for substandard wages under substandard, often illegally dangerous conditions? When you displace workers, how are you helping them? The enforcement of America's immigration laws were initially carried out by the Labor Department. After the Depression, or during the Depression in particular, President Roosevelt was determined that no foreign worker would take a job. He wanted Americans to get the jobs. And if you want to think about the 40-hour work week, that wasn't the, the result of the unions. The 40-hour work week was designed to make certain that everybody had a job. If you need someone to work overtime, hire a different worker so someone else now has a job. That was how we dug ourselves out of the Depression. We're now creating a depression for how many Americans. Look at the homelessness. Look at the flood of narcotics come into the country. And yet, if you dare suggest that you secure the border with a wall, oh, my God, it's ineffectual. No, it's not ineffectual. It's one element of what should be a coordinated system. That's why I compare it again to that wing on the airplane. But the level of corruption, the level of stupidity, and the level of greed is unparalleled. Boeing needed to sell airplanes to Saudi Arabia, so we have Saudi pilots training on America's latest fighter jets. We are teaching them our playbook. We're giving them access to airplanes that, God forbid, if they decided to go rogue from behind the cockpits, God knows what damage they could do. It's a dangerous situation. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So we have a shooting at Pensacola, and almost at the same exact time, New York has begun issuing driver's licenses to illegal aliens. New Jersey just passed similar laws, and the lies just keep on coming. We're going to give people driver's licenses so now they can drive safely and they can get insurance. Do you need a driver's license to know you're not supposed to drive drunk? Do you need a driver's license to know you're not supposed to go against traffic and drive on the wrong side of the road? And why would you give driver's licenses to people who shouldn't be here? And if you listen to the rhetoric, again, by using the word immigrant rather than illegal alien, and I guarantee you that most of your neighbors who are angry about Donald Trump and his immigration policies really think we're talking about immigrants. But we're not. Immigrants don't need amnesty. You know, it was interesting. George W. Bush was running around, we're going to legalize the immigrants. We're going to legalize the immigrants. And I was doing a lot of speaking in those days. I still do, by the way. And I remember I was at the Tea Party Convention in, in, in South Carolina when I spoke about this. And I, I've said this at other places. But I, I always used to bring a glass of water on stage. I always do anyway. Uh, it's always good to have a little water handy. But I, I said, you know, offering to make immigrants legal is no different from offering to make water wet. Water is wet. Immigrants are legal. What he was talking about was legalizing illegal aliens. That is a world of difference. That is a world of difference. If two people walk out of the bank, they may not both be customers. If one person walked out of the bank with money that he or she withdrew from his bank account or checking account or took out a loan, that makes them a customer. If someone took money out of the bank at the point of a gun, that's not a customer. That's a bank robber. But I also want to be clear about something. People who come to America illegally come for a wide variety of reasons. And the problem is that we don't know what brought them here. We don't know if they're escaping the long arm of the law in their own country, and not just from Latin America. I've arrested many people wanted for serious crimes. Uh, I, I worked with the Israelis to arrest an individual wanted for murder in Israel. We sent him back to Israel. He stood trial, was found guilty, and got a lengthy prison sentence. An Israeli man uh, who was off the wall, he was using steroids. He, he belonged to what my partner used to call the no-neck club. He had like a 25-inch neck. He had shoulders like you wouldn't believe. We needed two sets of handcuffs. To, to, to We looped the cuffs together. We could barely get these things on his wrist. Uh, the guy was totally out of his mind, suffering roid rage. He killed a Palestinian woman, a prostitute, an alleged prostitute. And I sent him home so that he could be put on trial, and he was found guilty. I got an award from the government of Japan because we had a woman in the United States 
part of a cocaine smuggling operation, smuggling drugs from the United States into Japan. She was the last member of, I believe it was a 24, 25-person conspiracy. So I convinced her to turn herself in and go back to Japan, and then and, and she wound up doing jail time. So they sent me a, a nice police medal and a very nice certificate that hangs on the wall in my office in my house. So it's not just about Mexicans. And when the president keeps talking about Mexico as though this is where the only problem exists, he's doing a great disservice to himself and, and to this issue of immigration. Every race, every religion, every nationality has the good, the bad, and the ugly. The only distinction that we make in America about immigration is whether someone's a citizen or not. People who are not citizens are properly called aliens. In fact, the legal term as defined in the Immigration Act, an alien is any person not a citizen or national of the United States. Why do you think the other side, the globalists, are furious when you use the word alien? Oh, you're insulting people. It sounds like Martians. No, it doesn't. The problem with the word alien is that it provides clarity to the discussion. And when you're a crook, when you're a con artist, when you're a thief, the last thing you want is clarity. Con artists function by sleight of tongue, using deceptive language. Right out of George Orwell, this isn't political correctness. So we're going to give driver's licenses to illegal aliens who can't prove who the hell they are. And then listen to the argument. Well, they need to go to work. Stop the music right there. They need to go to work. They're not supposed to work. Part of the reason we enforced the immigration laws when I hired on with the INS, we did very few criminal cases back then, folks. It was primarily an administrative law agency. And the biggest focus we had was going after the aliens who were taking the jobs that should go to Americans. And I can't tell you how rewarding it was, because this, back then it wasn't even a crime for knowingly hiring illegal aliens. But we would raid a factory. And then the next day, you'd see a line of American and lawful immigrant workers being hired. You help people get jobs. Does it get better than that? So you've got these mayors and governors, Democrats. That's the outrage. I'm a registered Democrat, okay? I am. And people say, how can you be a Democrat? Well, it's very simple. I'm a Democrat. They aren't. They've become anarchists. They've become seditionists. They've become totalitarians. They are no longer Democrats. They have hijacked the Democratic Party. When the country made sense, when things were humming along pretty well, always problems, and we fixed them, but we never experienced the level of insanity that we're witnessing now, the Democratic Party tended to look out for the average working American. My dad was a construction worker. I've spoken about him frequently on the program. He and my mom will always be my biggest heroes, American tradesmen. Blue-collar workers are the heart and soul and foundation of America, not the bankers, not the pencil-neck geeks. These guys can't get their way out of, a, out of a bathroom with a flashlight. You look at who built America, the roads and the cars and the houses. Without those construction workers, folks, you'd be living in a field somewhere under a shade tree hoping that you don't get hit by lightning. So we have blue-collar workers who are being stabbed in the back today because in the old days the Democrats looked out for them. They made sure that we didn't bring in foreign workers to displace them and drive down wages. And when they decided, oh, how wonderful, we can import tons of people. And it's not just looking for new voters. Folks, you're naive when you say that. Please stop saying it. It's not just about importing voters. If you drive enough Americans into poverty, they will have to vote for the party of the handout. The party of the handout is the Democratic Party. But there are strings attached. They want utter, total, complete control. That's what makes them totalitarians. Now, the Republicans always wanted cheap labor. How many times have I heard from the people on the right, I don't want to pay taxes, I don't want regulations, I want to be left alone so I can make money. Okay. Boeing had that attitude, didn't they? And they crashed two airplanes. They now suspended production of the Boeing 737 MAX jet. They're having major issues making that damn airplane safe. Outrageous. I, I remember having an argument when I, when I did a speaking event out in California, and, and, and this Nimrod College professor, you know, who understands theory. Yeah. In theory, you could jump up and down and flap your hands and fly away like a bird, in theory. Oh, we don't need regulations. Companies will self-regulate. 
Sure thing. Just like Volkswagen with their emissions problem, just like Boeing with their airplanes, just like Ford when they had the exploding Pintos. We can go on forever. Self-regulation. You look at the Love Canal. You look at the pollution. You look at the madness going on. My son always likes to quote, my youngest son loves to always quote Madison. If men were angels, we wouldn't need government. Men and women aren't angels. We're subject to too much damn greed. You know, the guy worth billions is the guy that needs another mansion. He already has 12. You know, Mike Bloomberg has, what, I don't know how many mansions, but he needs another one. Mike Bloomberg, uh, who should never be allowed to run near, for elected office as dog catcher, wants to be president. This is the guy, I wrote about this for Front Page Magazine. He was saying, well, you know, the immigrants do the work Americans won't do. Now, of course, Americans would do the jobs, but you'd have to pay them so much that we have a problem finding people to cut the grass on golf courses for the right price. So a man who reportedly is worth $50 billion is concerned that his greens fees at his country club might go up. Can you believe that? This is what wants to represent us. So now we're going to give driver's licenses to illegal aliens. What a driver's license does, folks, is to act as what's known as a breeder document. Now, what is a breeder document? You want to get a library card. You want to get municipal ID. You want to get a credit card. You're going to be asked, do you have some photo ID? And you whip out your driver's license. And with, on the strength of that driver's license, you can now get other documents. So we refer to something known as a driver's license as a breeder document. From that one document, you can get everything else. Because now this is seen as a reliable source of information as to who you are. Now, what's really remarkable about this flawed concept, and by the way, you should know that the 9-11 Commission discovered that the 19 hijackers on 9-11 in the aggregate used over 360 false names or variations on false names to conceal their movements. Okay? So fake ID is part of the stock and trade of terrorists, spies, and criminals. Why do you think police fingerprint people they arrest? They fingerprint them, they photograph them. Now we're using DNA testing, and they're looking for iris scans, biometrics. By the way, I'm proud of the fact that when I did my very first congressional hearing back on May 20th, 1997, and it was predicated on two terror attacks in the United States in 93, the shooting at the CIA by a Pakistani by the name of Cantor who shot up the CIA, killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and then the bombing at the World Trade Center one month later, February of 93. Um, there was a hearing held about visa fraud and immigration fraud because of those attacks and other concerns. And I raised the issue that we needed to be able to use real-time biometrics. We actually, at immigration, you, you won't believe this. It's almost embarrassing because we're idiots. While police departments, you know, Andy of Mayberry, three sheriff towns, were able to electronically transmit fingerprints. We were mailing them in, mailing them to the FBI. And then three months later, you'd get a notice back. The guy's wanted for killing eight people. Where is he? I don't know. We arrested him three months ago. We deported him. I'm not sure where he is today. Police departments were able to do it in real time. So they'd say, hold the guy. We're going to come and get him. We didn't. So that began the use of electronic fingerprinting and so forth and immigration going back to that hearing, May 20th, 1997. But you do it because bad guys use fake names to conceal who they are and how they travel and how they operate. I've arrested people that had more names on a rap sheet that you had to have extension sheets because they had so many fake names. Now, what's really amazing to me, and I wrote about this for front page. I wrote an article about the driver's license issue. This was June 20th, 2019. New York will provide illegal aliens with driver's licenses. If you go to frontpagemag.com, go to that article, check it out. Please forward this to your friends and neighbors. Let's have rational conversations. Let's stop insulting each other, for God's sakes. It's, it's, it's bad. It's toxic. It's un-American. It's childish. It's childish. I thought that crap went away when we left the schoolyard when we were in junior high school. Let's be adults for a change in this country, because certainly there's no adults in Washington or precious few. But what was so remarkable was shortly after 9-11, I was averaging 15 or 20 television interviews every single month. And one of the networks that had me on most frequently, this will be a shock to you, I know, was MSNBC. 
That's right. MSN and and Fox and CNN. In those days, Lou Dobbs was at CNN. I was on with Lou generally at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. And even when I wasn't on, he was using my articles for on-air copy, and his producers and reporters would call me for advice. Sometimes while the show was on, I'd get a call from the control room from his executive producer. Mike, Lou has a question. So, you know, everybody wanted to get the job done. 9-11 was in everyone's mind. We have a problem. It was Sheila Jackson Lee, believe it or not, who, along with Jim Sensenbrenner, invited me to testify about how two of the dead terrorists could get permission to go to flight school six months after the attacks. A year later, Sheila Jackson Lee invited me to testify at a hearing as her witness on alien smuggling, and I convinced her to go beyond the Mexican border. I said, we need to look at visa fraud because there are criminal organizations that get visas for aliens to enable them to enter the United States. It's not just about running the Mexican border. It's not just about stowing away on ships. It's not just about running the Canadian border. We're a nation of 50 border states. And I said, one of the biggest concerns that I have is immigration fraud. And to convince her that I was right, her her counsel in those days said to me, Look, I don't want to get in the middle of this. If you think that you should be able to testify and focus on that issue, write a memo. I'll pass it along. And what I told Sheila Jackson Lee, I said, look, when you build a fence around your house, when you put up a a, a fence or a gate around your house, think of the White House. You don't put the gate against the wall. You move it to the furthest extremity of the property on which the building is built. Doesn't that make sense? You put the fence all the way to the curb. Why? because you want to be as far from the building to protect it. And I said a properly administered visa requirement, in essence, moves America's borders out to the embassies and consulates where the the visas are issued. And I said, so we get all kinds of benefits from this. It even helps to keep terrorists off of airplanes. Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, if you ever saw a picture of that piece of work, there's no way he could have been given a visa. But he was a Brit. And as a Brit, didn't need a visa to get on the airplane and then try to set off his shoes. So we could save, we could protect airplanes, we could protect our nation. And when an alien lies on the visa application, it's called visa fraud. Um, and, and that provides us with opportunities to prosecute these people. After 9-11, the penalty for visa fraud went from five years to a max of 25 years, believe it or not, if the fraud was committed in conjunction with terrorism. But aliens who come in under the visa waiver program, none of those benefits apply. It goes away. Why would we allow, especially in this day and age, this to go on? When I was an inspector at Kennedy Airport back in the 70s, with the exception of Canadian citizens, citizens of Bermuda, and landed immigrants from the United Kingdom who had immigrant status in Canada, they were exempt of visa requirements, unless they were coming on a student visa or or something other than tourism. But if they were coming for tourism, we used to actually put on the little I-94, the arrival departure document, the letters NC, non-controlled non-controlled in reality the whole damn system is non-controlled today non-controlled and see but everyone needed to get a visa citizens of france and germany they needed visas the chamber of commerce got to work they created something known as a discover america partnership they partnered with the hotel hospitality travel and manufacturing associations they pumped billions of dollars like god knows how much money millions or billions it's just numbers after a while, it's numbing, into political campaigns and convinced politicians to eliminate visa requirements. And if you go to the Discover America website right now, what you will see is how they are boasting that they are doing everything in their power to end visa requirements so more people will come to America and we can make more money. How wonderful. And if they're terrorists, maybe they'll have a good meal at a nice restaurant and leave a tip. Are you kidding me? This is shields down in a very dangerous time, shields down. But what was remarkable was back in 2004, and I included this in the article. So if you go to Front Page Magazine, you're going to have to go back a little in time. This was published June 20th. I have more recent articles. I'm going to talk about it briefly. But I I wrote this article June 20th. New York will provide illegal aliens with driver's license to subtitle is where is Governor Cuomo's MVP award from the terrorists? So understand the problem. We can't verify who these people are. And Governor Cuomo is running around saying, oh, we're going to teach our people to recognize foreign passports. 
Really? Let me tell you what. When I was the INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA, we implemented something known as a document link analysis program. And what we did was to try to figure out if the drug traffickers that we were arresting were getting their fake ID from a common source so we could take out that source. And we did find that there were a couple of major sources of fake documents. And in order to analyze the documents, they had something known as a forensics document lab in Washington. You had questioned document examiners who spent many years perfecting their, their skills. They had the ability to do analysis on paper and ink, uh, all sorts of things. High-quality high scanning, and I mean, today with computers, I'm sure it's a lot better because this was back in the 80s that we were doing this. But we were able to do an analysis on whether a typewriter key had a slight deformity and it kept showing up in certain letters if this was a counterfeit document. We also were able, to, or they were able to analyze adhesives so that the way that the passport was put together, they could do chemical analysis. I'm sure that the guy at Motor Vehicles is doing that right now. Aren't you confident that they're doing that right now? And by the way, because of this, you're not going to believe it. But New York State no longer shares motor vehicle information on the computer network with ICE or Customs and Border Protection. If they try to log on, I have been told that they are barred from having access. So when a car comes across the border and they want to run the license plate to see if it's a stolen car, they can't find out if it's a stolen car because New York State says, you're evil, you're immigration. We're not going to help you at all. Go to hell. Think of how this endangers us. But I'm sure that the politicians are dancing like crazy, probably both parties, because immigration is a delivery system. It delivers an unlimited supply of exploitable labor and foreign tourists and foreign students. And for the immigration lawyers out there, an unlimited supply of clients. So here we are in 2004. MSNBC published an NBC News report that complained about the 9-11 Commission report. They were upset about the 9-11 Commission report, but not the way you might expect. They didn't say, what are you doing? This is terrible. They said, you didn't go far enough. That's what they said. Let me read this to you because it's going to blow your mind. This report was called 9-11 Report Light on ID Theft Issues. They felt that the 9-11 Commission did not spend enough time looking at identity crimes, identity theft, which brings us back to driver's licenses, doesn't it? Who are these people? So here's a couple of quick excerpts. But in, in the nation's most comprehensive look yet at what went wrong on September 11 and what could be done to prevent the next terrorist attack, identity theft gets scarce mentioned. Buried deep within the 9-11 Commission report on about 10 pages, starting with page 393, are suggestions for dealing with the deeply connected problems of terrorism and identity fraud. This is MSNBC, folks. Think about that. And they go on and say the report does note the importance of the issue, however. Impersonation is cited as a key tool for terrorists. Travel documents are as important as weapons, the report says. Fraud is no longer just a problem of theft. At many entry points to vulnerable facilities, including gates for boarding aircrafts, sources of identification are the last opportunity to ensure that the people are who they say they are. And finally, this is really amazing. Again, MSNBC published this. Terrorism and identity theft go hand-in-hand, hand, experts say. The Al-Qaeda training manual includes provisions for trainees to leave camp with five fake personas, says Collins, who uses a copy of the manual to train law enforcement officials. Terrorists are regularly schooled in the art of subsisting off credit card fraud while living in the United States. MSNBC, 2004. Where are we today? Where are we today? The insanity of this is that we're giving driver's licenses to people. We can't prove who they are. And the argument that we're hearing is, well, they're going to drive anyway. What's the message to people around the world? You know, when I did one of my very first congressional hearings, and I did 17, 
I had said that you get one opportunity for a first impression. And for most people from around the world, the first laws they encounter in dealing with the United States are our immigration laws and how we enforce them or refuse to enforce them or are incapable of enforcing them. So we've told the world, you come to America, it's okay. You can run the borders. That's cool. We'll do everything we can to help you. You could be a fugitive. You could be a terrorist. Who cares? We just want you to come here. And they call them immigrants, which is insulting to true immigrants and undermines their credibility in the communities that they live in. And we're telling them, we know you're not supposed to be here. We know you're not supposed to be driving. We know you're not supposed to be working. But we're going to let you do all of that. And because it's so difficult for you, now we'll give you driver's licenses so nobody will bother you. We've ordered the police to leave you alone. We're going to do everything we can to help you do whatever you're doing, even though we know you're violating our laws and you're making a mockery of our Constitution. But that's okay, because you're so valuable to us. This is insanity. And, of course, they're saying, well, they're driving anyway. No, they're not driving anyway. There are quite a few illegal aliens who are not driving. So why are we giving them licenses? Well, I'll tell you, if you look at those long lines of the illegal aliens waiting to get a driver's license, that long line is a Rorschach test. Everyone sees in it what they want to see. The state of New York looks at those people and says, wow, think of all the fees we're going to get for the driver's licenses, money. And then they're going to get an easy pass, money. And then they're going to pay parking meters, money. And then they're going to buy gas and have to pay sales tax, money. And, of course, that's going to drive up the price of gasoline because of supply and demand. And, of course, you put more cars on the road, you create more congestion and more pollution. Do these politicians really care about pollution? Absolutely not. When they tell you about the environment, they're full of crap. They're lying. Their noses are growing. So, you know, in New York, the rush hour used to begin at, I don't know, 3.30, 4 o'clock, and it would be over by 7 in the evening. And then in the morning, it might start at 6 o'clock in the morning and be over by 10 o'clock. And those were the rush hours. Now the rush hour ends at about, I don't know, 4 a.m., and it begins at 4.01 a.m. It's a 24-7 rush hour in New York City, wall-to-wall cars, and we are about to put many more cars on the road. What great news is that? What great news? So we're flooding the country with people. This creates more incentives for more people to run the border, makes it harder for the Border Patrol to do their, their job. And now you have insurance companies making money because they're going to buy insurance, so they're going to go to the insurance companies. Maybe they're going to buy a car, so they're going to make business for the the car companies, and maybe the banks will lend them some money. And so everyone sees this as a cash cow. But never mind what the 9-11 Commission had to say. Never mind that today, folks, what is the weapon of choice by terrorists? It's not airplanes. It's motor vehicles. It happened in New York. Right on the west side, within a couple of blocks of where the World Trade Center stood, right? All over the world. What are the terrorists using? Trucks. And by the way, I've seen people comment on my articles and say, oh, I'm never going to New York. I'm smarter than that. I live in Montana. I live in Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. Lots of luck. Because that terrorist who has a New York driver's license can hop on an airplane or a car, come to your hometown rent a truck at Home Depot or, you know, Enterprise or Avis or Hertz, doesn't matter, rent a truck. In fact, a rental truck was used in the 93 bombing of the World Trade Center, wasn't it? So they could rent a truck and carry an attack in your hometown, and you could be a 1,000 miles from New York City. You could be a 1,000 miles from New Jersey. doesn't matter. That driver's license opens up the country to them. So don't be smug. Don't think, oh, I'm not living any. I live in Nevada. What does that have to do with New York, right? Wrong. I live in Georgia. New York, big problem, folks. This impacts the entire country. Now, if you think the Republicans are the heroes here, they're just as bad as the Democrats. I know you're going to be shocked. You're going to be angry with me. But right now, I just wrote an article. I want you to go to Front Page Mag after you hear my program today. And I want you to see the article that I wrote. House Democrats and Republicans collude on a dangerous immigration bill. 
legislation ignores the findings of the 9-11 Commission. And what are they going to do? Well, we have a need for agricultural workers. God only knows who's going to pick the lettuce. Maybe Americans, if you pay it a little bit more. But we don't want to pay more. We want indentured servants. And by the way, most of those jobs are going to be automated out of existence within the next 10 years anyway. So what they are going to do now, and the House passed it. And it was like, you know, by, by a three-quarter vote or two-thirds vote, which means a lot of Republicans had to sign on. The Republicans who signed on to this piece of garbage should be voted out of office yesterday. Get involved, folks. And the media is not telling you this. Oh, the Democrats and Republicans will never work together, especially on immigration. No, they'll never work together. This is at least the third bill this year that passed the House, and, and it went through like, you know what, goes through a goose. Boom, right to the floor. Bang, they voted for it. Big margin. It wasn't the squeaker. No hearings, no press conference, no amendments. Boom, on the express track. It's a bill to screw Americans. Where do I sign? That's these politicians that are representing us, folks, both parties, both parties. You know, it was amazing to me that it was the Republicans back after 9-11 who called me to testify because they were opposed to the president of the United States, who happened to be a Republican, the genius George W. Bush, you know, America's answer to Alfred E. Newman. So they would have me come in and they had me testify about how he was doing things wrong and it was making things dangerous. Try to find somebody opposed, find someone that will support President Trump with words, never voting. He's out there by himself. I don't like the ter- use of words. There's a lot that I disagree with Trump. But he's the only hope we have because everyone else is a globalist bought and paid for by the Chamber of Commerce. I call them the Chamber of Horrors. And we've done this before. One of the people who uh, that was involved with the 93 bombing of the Trade Center, and I believe there were several others, who also did that, uh, understand that um, he got amnesty as an agricultural worker. He absolutely did. His name was uh, Mahmoud Abu Alima. He claimed that he had picked beans in Florida on a farm. He was never in Florida. He was driving a taxi cab in New York City, had his license suspended several times, but they never notified immigration even back then. And he was the guy who didn't plant beans in Florida, but planted a bomb in the garage of the World Trade Center that killed six people, injured over a thousand, and inflicted a half billion in damages. And the 9-11 Commission said that. They said what they called it the Seasonal Agricultural Worker Program. We knew it as the Special Agricultural Worker Program. But it was the same argument. What are we going to do with these farm workers? And you know who engineered the farm worker bill? Chuck Schumer. And when I met with Schumer while this was being debated, I said to him, you know, he was my congressman. And I said, hey, Chuck, you don't even have a farm in your district. Why are you so concerned about farm workers? He threw me out of his office, Chuck Schumer. This was back in 1985. I said, you don't have any farms in your district. Why are you worried about farm workers? This is going to be an open invitation for massive fraud. Unfortunately, I was right. And that fraud ultimately bit us in 1993 and again in 2001 on 9-11. Now, I can tell you personally, we had many instances where we had farm workers, not from Mexico. It's not Mexico, folks. It's about the rest of the world. And these were farm workers from the Caribbean, Jamaica, Trinidad, Barbados, also Panama. And they were getting visas ostensibly to pick apples in the apple orchards of upstate New York and citrus fruits in the citrus groves of Florida. They never showed up, or they showed up for a week and decided the work was too difficult, so they took off. But they didn't leave the country. They wound up getting involved with a different cash crop, marijuana, and they were among the most violent and pernicious criminals that I ever encountered. We were inundated with shootings. I was working with the New York City Police Department back then, literally following a trail of of, of shooting victims, the drug trade. And I said to members of Congress, if you really want to get more farm workers, hire more immigration agents to police the system. Because if these guys don't show up on the farm, the farmer doesn't get his farm workers. Think about it. If you really want farm workers, hire immigration agents to police the system. And they said, no, that's okay. I said, but if they don't show up, the farm workers won't be there. The farmers will still need the laborers. And we're going to wind up with more criminals. And the members of Congress said to me, 
That's okay, Mr. Cutler. We don't need any more agents. So we have 6,000 immigration agents. Of those, maybe 2,000 are dedicated to enforcing the immigration laws. The rest of them are chasing down people that manufacture counterfeit Gucci loafers, backing up Secret Service, doing executive protection, or going after people that are involved with banking fraud and so forth. So you have basically 2,000 immigration agents for the entire country. We have 1.3 million members of the armed forces. We have 45,000 people at TSA. New York City has 38,000 cops. But for the entire United States of America, we have 2,000 immigration agents. This is failure by design. Pass laws that sound reasonable. Make sure there's no one there to enforce the laws because the immigration system is that delivery system, you see. And this is where we are. And I could tell you that fraud was almost humorous at times because you try to figure out who's a liar. And when I was at DEA intelligence, we were trying to decide if we could use somebody as an informant. And that's really critical because if you're going to put somebody into an undercover capacity, whether it's an informant or especially an agent, and one of my very close friends, Everett Hatcher, was killed working as an undercover informant with the mob. I was with him two or three hours before he took two bullets to the head. So when you put an undercover agent into that kind of a situation – Lives are on the line. And we had this alien who wanted to cooperate with us. And I said, you know, we need to question him. So picture the scene. We're in a conference room. We got the guy sitting there with his lawyer. I'm in the room with a bunch of federal prosecutors, DEA agents, New York City and New York State detectives and and, and state prosecutors as well as federal prosecutors. And I said to the guy, what's your immigration status? He said, well, I have a green card. I said, how did you get it? He said, I worked on a farm. I said, oh, you got the amnesty as a farm worker. He said, exactly. I said, what kind of a farm did you work on? And he said, oh, it was a watermelon farm. And thinking quickly, I said, well, how tall were the ladders that you had to use to pick the watermelons off the trees? And he said, oh, my God, those ladders were so tall, and the farmer was such a cheapskate. These were old ladders. They were so shaky. They were so rickety that every time in the morning when I climbed that ladder, I was convinced I was going to fall off the ladder and die. For those of you who aren't aware, Watermelons grow on the ground on vines. They don't grow in the trees. The guy was clearly a liar. Everybody in the room broke up laughing. We obviously weren't going to work with this guy who was a liar. And, in fact, I referred his case to the fraud unit and said, you need to conduct an investigation and take his green card and prosecute him for lying. But we saw this frequently. We had so many farmers who were crooks selling evidence that people worked for him when they didn't work for them. And, you know, if you put enough of those people in the farm that claimed they worked on this one farm, there would have been no room to grow anything. The farm would have been more congested than a New York City subway car during the rush hour. And the 9-11 Commission warned that immigration fraud is the number one method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. So in the middle of everything that's going on, the Democrats and Republicans got together and zipped through legislation that could involve over a million farm workers and others, a million. 19 hijackers did how much damage on 9-11? Look what the two Tsarnaev brothers did in Boston. Look at that couple in San Bernardino. This is asymmetrical warfare. Every alien who enters the country poses the threat of being somebody who could do tremendous harm to us. And the politicians don't care because they're bought and paid for. We need to reach out to our elected senators and tell them block this bill in the Senate. We need to reach out to the White House so that the president understands that this bill goes contrary to everything that he promised us. New Year's is coming, folks. I want you to make it your New Year's resolution that you will get involved. You know, democracy is not a spectator sport, and we need to do more than just make that a phrase or a slogan. We really and truly need to do what is essential to protect our nation and protect our future. I wish all of you a very happy Hanukkah, a Merry Christmas, and I'll see you again next Friday. Meanwhile, I hope all of you have a terrific weekend. Please go to frontpagemag.com, read the articles that I've told you about, and pass them along, share them with your neighbors, and have civil conversations, folks. Let's remember that Americans are all protected by the First Amendment. We have the right to disagree, but maybe through disagreement and conversation, discussion, we can get people to see things a little bit differently. Have a great weekend. Be well.